0: Good morning. We extend a cordial cordial welcome to all who are attending this service. Your attendance makes this time together most meaningful as we enter a new chapter in our history. This morning we will be installing our new minister, Reverend Dallas Flippin. An installation service is a sacred as well as joyous occasion for all our church. An installation service is a special church service for a newly appointed minister. It is a time to recognize the calling of a pastor to to acknowledge his responsibility and duties, to remind the congregation of their duty, to follow the leadership of their new pastor, and to work together to uphold the mission of the church in serving God. Today also, we would like to extend a a welcome to Reverend Dr. Michael Williams, Executive Minister for the American Baptist Churches of Michigan, who will be bringing the message and charge to the minister. We would also like to welcome Reverend Dr. Patricia Kennedy, former pastor of St. John's United Church of Christ of Jackson and representing the Jackson Area Ministries Association. You may so, you may also recall that Pastor Patty was was our traditional transitional, excuse me, minister in 2001.
1: There are several announcements on the back of your bulletin, so please be sure to read those. In addition to them, we are collecting items for the Operation Christmas Child boxes. Items that are needed include pencils, pens, crayons, notebooks, small notebooks, combs, and small toys. The youth will be filling the boxes on November 4th, and then they will be dedicated on November 11th. Items can be left in the church office. We are also collecting the World Mission Offering this month. It provides training, innovation, and empowerment that saves lives and improves the overall health of families and communities worldwide. This month, we are supporting them through the envelopes provided in your bulletin. And also, at this time of year, we ask that those of you who contribute financially to the church to write out a pledge card that helps us evaluate the potential giving for the next year If you're already on their mailing list, you should have received a pledge card in the mail. If you're not on the list yet, or if you haven't received your card in the mail, you can pick up a pledge card on the table in the front of the sanctuary, or from a table in the Fellowship Hall. Please bring back your pledge cards to the office by October 30th. Then we have two announcements pertaining to the Jackson Personal Care Ministry. Um, They really need more plastic grocery bags for the pantry. They should be clean and not have held raw meat or fresh produce. It's also strongly encouraged that you flatten them for delivery for ease of storage. We're also accepting any jewelry and accessories donations in support of the Personal Care Ministries bling sale on November 16th, the night of the Christmas parade. And both of those items can be dropped off here in the office. And we'd also, pertaining to the installation service, we'd like for all of you to join us for a reception in the fellowship hall after the service. There is a box out there for you with note cards next to it so everyone can write a note to Pastor Dallas and Beth sharing favorite Bible verses or words of encouragement for them. And there will also be an open house this afternoon from 4 to 5:30 at the time of the connection service as a way for church members to connect with people unable who couldn't come this morning, or with maybe parents of the youth group who haven't had a chance to meet Dallas yet, and particularly with the area ministers who would like to show their support. Good morning.
2: I am so delighted to be here this morning, and I have very many happy memories from my brief time in this congregation. I remember you as a congregation that is, celebrates the uniqueness of each individual, a congregation that likes to play and have fun, as well as work hard and share love with others. And so on this day, I just have one small word to offer to you as you begin this new time with your new minister, and that is speak the truth in love. Tell the pastor when he makes a mistake without knowing about what your traditions are, Tell him if you have noticed something that really blessed you so that he knows that, that, um, that God has used him to bless you. Tell him when you have an idea of something to try that's new. Tell him when your heart is hurting or when you're upset. And when you speak the truth, do it in love. Remember that God has called him to you and that you are on this journey together. And it's also best if you tell it to him rather than in the parking lot, because then it will do much more good. You are on a very special journey together, and it is my great joy to be a part of it. And so now as we come together in the name of Jesus, let us share in our call to worship. There are different gifts. There are different ways of serving God. God works through different persons in different ways. God, Each one is given a gift by the Spirit.
3: To use it for
2: God's together, we are the body of Christ. Though we have different gifts, together we are a ministry of reconciliation led by the risen Christ. We work and pray to make this church useful in the world. And we call men and women to faith, so that in the end, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let us pray. Most Holy One, we are here this day in awe of your work among us, We are grateful for your call to Pastor Dallas and his family to come and to be in Jackson to serve this church and community, sharing your love with all. We ask that your spirit will fall upon us, that we will hear your still small voice, that we will be open to the yearnings of your spirit because you are a God of miracles You are a God of new beginnings. You are a God of joy. Let your joy remain in us, and may we experience your joy to the fullest. And may we let no one take our joy from us, because this is the gift of your Spirit. Be with us, O God. Remind us of how deeply you love us, of how deeply you know us, because you knit us together in our mother's womb and about how deeply you yearn for being in relationship with us and helping us to be all that we have been created to be, all that we can be, more that we can even ask or imagine by your Spirit. And so now, because of your love for us, because we know we can trust you, we offer these words that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, Good morning once again. If you can, please stand for our first hymn, which can be found in your hymnal on page 450, God of Spirit, Guide and Guardian, or you may sing it. Nope, you must open your book because it's not in the hymnal,
1: (laughs) sorry. Please come forward for the offering. We bring you only what is yours, creator God, that you might use this offering and the giver for the building up of your kingdom and the glory of your name. Amen.
4: Testament scripture can be found on page 827. I'll be reading from Daniel chapter 6 verses 10 through 16. Although Daniel knew that the document had been signed he continued to go to his house which had windows in its upper room open toward Jerusalem and to get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and to praise him just as he had done previously The conspirators came and found Daniel praying, and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king, and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered. The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king. Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict you have signed, but he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then the conspirators came to the king and said to him, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. Our New Testament scripture can be found on page 61. I'll be reading from Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor.
3: It is a joy to be here this morning, to share with you in the installation of your pastor. I read a, a definition of installation in the dictionary, it said as if to nail to a wall. I hope we're not nailing you to any wall today. But I do hope instead, rather than, I, I, I want to get away from installation, the word installation, to talk more about a marriage of pastor and people. Feels better to me than installation. But it's, I look, I'm thrilled to be here. I recently had the privilege of having, of, of coming over and, and having lunch with your pastor, and we shared with one another, caught up with one another, and I found myself getting excited for you as I became acquainted with him. This feels like all the makings of a good marriage. I've got to say, it is also a blessing for me today to be reunited with a colleague and friend that goes back 19 years. I've served as your executive minister, just now beginning my 20th year, September 1, and over the years to have worked with the Reverend Dr. Kinney in a host of ways Her gifts have blessed this Baptist family. I didn't like it when she got cut. She ended up with the UCC crowd for a season. Couldn't hardly even say that. (laughs) But I'm glad to connect with you this day. And I hope you know that your family of Baptists still claim you. And uh, we are praying for you and recognizing you've been in a healing process. And uh, so know that you're ever so much loved by this group. It's hard to believe that I have been serving among you for going into my 20th year. I I remember the first time I came over to Jackson, Alvin Elliott was your pastor. Any of you remember Alvin Elliott? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, he he quickly loaded me up in a Lincoln Continental, Richard. Big car for a, a big man. And... Hauled me all over Jackson to get a taste of the city, literally and figuratively, and uh, had a wonderful time with him. At the time, he was serving also, not only as your pastor, but volunteered as the chair of our historical committee for the American Baptist Churches of Michigan. And it was, he was just such a delight to work with in those years. Um, so, That brings a lot of memories. And since that time to the present, according to my records, I've been here 12 times to share with you from this pulpit. You are truly the Grace Baptist Church. You keep bringing me back in the hopes I'll finally get it right one of these days. And lest I really mess with your heads, I need to just confess up front to you right now, you're going to hear, for some of you that whose memory is very good, you're going to say, wait a minute, we heard him preach this one back in March. I do have more than 12 sermons. (laughs) But I wanted in particular to talk about this and this moment in this marriage of pastor and people. Why Baptist? Why Baptist? I, I shared this with you at the invitation of Reverend Ross Lucas back in March. He had asked me to talk about our Baptist roots, which I enjoy, always enjoy talking about, and I shared the same scripture texts that were read to you just a few moments ago. And if you recall, I talked more, I'm not going to go as far into it today as I did back then. But I recounted the story of the first Baptist church, founded by English Christians in Amsterdam, Holland, in 1609. I reference this message again to you, with you because why I think it's really important at this moment when we have marriage of pastor and people to ask the question, in a day in which denominationalism has fallen out of favor with so many folks, so why do we claim our Baptist roots. Why Baptist? Pastor Flip and I do not claim that my answer should be your answer or any individual in this room's answer for why being Baptist. God makes Baptist, after all, like he makes apples and oranges. All of us have our own shape and color. Conditioning processes vary dramatically Diversity is the stuff that gives us distinctive qualities as individuals and as Baptists. Diversity is to be embraced, after all, if we're going to be historical Baptists. And as I shared with you all back a few months ago, after much thought, I have concluded that I'm a Baptist for three basic reasons. First, I was born, reared, and nurtured in a Baptist home in a Baptist church. Now, like your pastor, I was with another crowd of Baptists, back a very historical group of Baptists that about, what, 30 years ago became hysterical. And we had to find another crowd of Baptists to to be with. There's more Baptists than Baskin Robbins has flavors of ice cream. How many do they have? 32. That's right. And so there's there's a whole lot of different Baptists. The second reason I'm Baptist is because I believe that responsible approaches to Baptist history support the essential biblical ideals that have driven the Baptist experience. And third, I've chosen consciously to remain Baptist when at times I have to confess circumstances have caused me to want to throw in the towel. Have you ever been there? You did? No, you didn't. You just moved. You didn't throw in the towel. (laughs) I ask the congregation to indulge me for a few moments this morning as I go back and visit these three reasons as I shared with you back in March yet again. I want to name some names. I want to describe some events. I want to identify some heroes. I will cite values that matter to me. And most of all, I hope by the end of the message that, that you will understand that to be truly Baptist acknowledges the Lordship of Christ. First, I was born, reared, and nurtured in a Baptist home and in a Baptist church. I was in my mother's womb in a Baptist church pew. I was born into a Baptist family. My grandfather Williams was a cotton farmer, Southern Baptist preacher in the river bottoms of West Tennessee. Uh, It's just part of my history and heritage. My childhood memories are of Parma Baptist Church in Parma, Ohio. When my dad went north to get off the cotton field and find another way to make a living, he ended up as an engineer with NASA at Lewis Research Center in Cleveland and I grew up in a suburb there. And I remember going to Parma Baptist Church where the congregation in its in its fledgling early years met in an old house. We we had worship in literally a two-story house. And I remember in those early years that we we studied church history even as young people. We had vacation Bible schools, we had training union. You remember some of those terms, Dallas? The church licensed me to the gospel ministry and it graciously tolerated all those awful youth sermons I endeavored to preach. I have special memories of a gentleman named Adolf Hoffman. He was the music director at Parma Baptist Church. He was determined that we know every hymn in the Broadman hymnal. And wouldn't you know, midway through my experience growing up at Parma Baptist, they had to buy a new hymnal. So I had to learn even more hymns after that. But we were gonna link we were gonna know them. And we did that on through singspirations on Sunday nights. Y'all ever do the singspirations? You remember those. We'd, we sang all those great old hymns of the church on Sunday evenings. You'd holler out a number and we'd we'd sing it. And old brother Adolf Hoffman always loved to, and invariably someone wanted to, to sing Standing on the Promises. And, then, and of course he'd always say, Well, we can't sit on the premises. We've got to stand on the promises. I... I see some heads now, you remember that. How could I ever forget Reverend Roger Roberts, my pastor through uh, junior high and high school? He talked with me in his office about the meaning of salvation one day. He baptized me. His preaching made a, a powerful impact on me. Why am I Baptist? I'm a Baptist because of a conditioning process. The Baptist lay people in that little church in Parma, Ohio, invested heavily in me. They cared. Those volunteers spent countless hours putting up with us. They didn't get paid a dime for their ministry. Baptist volunteerism lay at the heart of their strategy. And what a difference they made in my life. Now, someone might ask, well, but Mike, come on. Wouldn't you have likely received similar training and care if you'd grown up a Lutheran or a Methodist or one of those UCC folk? And that would be a good question since I strongly believe that all of us need to learn more about our neighbors and other denominations than most of us know. But my reply is that anything I would say about that would be pure speculation. The persons whom I've described to you today Back at Parma Baptist, Baptists, though they be, are real people who told me in a thousand ways and showed me in a thousand ways that they loved me. Those Baptists are my history. Second, I'm a Baptist because I believe that responsible approaches to Baptist history support the essential biblical ideals that have driven the Baptist experience. The best Baptist historians agree that Baptist originated in the 1600s. Sorry about those that claim the trail of blood and try to go back to John the Baptizer. Don't, I don't buy that one. But early 1600s, first in Amsterdam and later in England. And I share that view. However, I, am, I must tell you that there was at least one Baptist who wiggled, wiggled himself into the Old Testament the guy we read about this morning in scripture. His name was Daniel. He was a good example of a good Baptist. Manipulated by his assistants who were jealous of Daniel's uh, achievements in the king's administration, King Darius threatened Daniel within an inch of his life. He signed a document specifically intended for Daniel stating that any person who petitioned Any God or man within 30 days, other than Darius himself, would be cast into a den of lions. And Daniel, he responded to that threat like a Baptist who knows the difference between church and state. The Revised Standard Version reads, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in the upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. And he got down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, just as he had done previously. Daniel refused to let the state dictate the nature, content, or timing of his prayer life. He refused to let an earthly king tell him what God he would worship. He refused to violate his personal liberty of conscience in order to please low-minded people around him. He refused to abandon the high and holy gift of voluntary worship of the Most High God. He refused to cave in to pressurized faith, even though he knew the consequences could be very serious. Lots of good Baptists over the years have imitated Daniel's carefully calculated decision to be a dissenter and a nonconformist. Never content to follow the crowd, they've chosen to make a difference by denying themselves, taking up their crosses, and following their Lord. I believe in the value of primary sources. For me, the primary sources of my faith are not the writings of John Calvin or any other theologian. They're not the sermons of Billy Graham or any other preacher or evangelist. They are not the resolutions or statements of concern crafted by an American Baptist convention meeting or annual gathering. The primary sources of my faith are the life of Christ and the teachings of the Bible. I find amazing similarities between historic Baptist principles and the claims of Christ and biblical ideals. However, I appreciate that members of other denominations read the same Bible, study the same Christ, and reach different conclusions that I might make. And I respect the right of all Baptists to do the same. What's the joke where two or three Baptists are gathered together, there's at least five opinions? But I believe that when one throws the bedrock principles of Baptist history Up against the teachings of Christ, the documents of the Bible, they fit together. Believer's baptism runs through the New Testament. That's Baptist. Religious liberty as a gift of God for all people permeates the Bible. That's Baptist. Calls for a personal, voluntary faith and practice characterize the teachings of Jesus. That's Baptist. Recognition of the priesthood of all believers as a New Testament given. That's Baptist. Jesus' efforts to free women, minorities, the poor, and dispossessed saturated his life and his teachings. And that's Baptist when we're at our best. And the list goes on. Roger Williams, the first Baptist pastor in America, turned New England religion on its ears in the 1600s with his emphasis on believers' baptism, religious liberty, and the separation of church and state, affirming the spiritual and civil rights of all people was his cause. John Clark, noted colonial Baptist pastor, spent 12 years in England in the 1650s and 60s patiently securing a charter for Rhode Island, guaranteeing religious freedom for all citizens. Church-state separation was his call. Luther Rice rode horseback thousands of miles up and down the eastern seaboard in the early 1800s. He crossed rivers, endured lousy weather, suffered illnesses, all because he cared deeply about missions And he wanted to raise dollars for the missions around the world. Martin Luther King, Jr., African-American Baptist leader, served as a pastor, developed a theology of nonviolent opposition to human injustice, received the Nobel Nobel Peace Prize, and was assassinated. Civil rights was his cause. Williams, Clark, Rice, and King provide models directly from our Baptist heritage that I believe are worth imitating. These people were willing to sacrifice themselves for the absolute lordship of Jesus Christ, the authority of the Bible, believers' baptism, voluntarism in faith and practice, religious liberty, priesthood of believers, missions, congregational government, and other sacred Baptist teachings. Biblical principles jumped from their story. Why am I a Baptist? The Bible and Baptist history approached rightly places in the context of real heroes, shows how to take up our crosses in pure obedience to Christ's calling, teaches us how to defy the negative and thrust us into the offensive as principled Christians. Finally, thirdly, I'm a Baptist because I consciously chose in recent years to remain one when at times circumstances tempted me to throw in the towel. There are those who move from being historical Baptist to hysterical Baptist and in the process they've given Baptist a bad name in some corners. I'm especially appalled by those who, whom have forgotten their Baptist history and heritage, if they ever knew it, and have become creedal. If you or I don't think like they think at every point They're ready to banish us from Baptist life. The hell with you. That's not historical Baptist. But then my memory kicks in. I remember my seminary professors like Walter B. Sheridan and Ben Philbeck and Randall Lawley and others who taught me that the proper way to be Baptist was to open one's Bible and one's mind at the same time soul competency and freedom of biblical interpretation lay at the heart of their vision for students. For them, being Baptist was a commitment stacked around the priorities of Christ, the same priorities that receive full play in the formative experiences and documents of Baptist. I remember though that while some Baptists cannot be trusted, the Baptist vision can be. The Baptist dream is as compelling as ever Pastor Flippin, as you are installed as pastor of First Baptist Church at Jackson, I encourage you to lead this congregation in reaffirming the Baptist vision. May together you create an environment where the best of being Baptist is recognized and honored. May together you all be Baptist enough to to affirm that Jesus Christ is Lord, to acknowledge the Bible as a sole written authority for our faith, to accept God's offer of sole competency, to pat- practice your faith in the context of a healthy sense of freedom, cooperation, and accountability, and stand firm for the rights of all persons to practice their faith as they choose. May together you all be Baptist enough to believe that God knew what he was doing when he created Adam and Eve, you and me, and endowed us with the intelligence to think for ourselves, to choose our own God, to forge our own faith. May together you all be Baptist enough to take Jesus at his word when he launched his earthly ministry in a synagogue in Nazareth by pulling freedom themes from Isaiah. Hear these words again that were just uttered a few moments ago. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives Recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of our Lord. This liberty-based self-identification of Christ in Luke 4 sets the pattern for what it means to be Baptist. The foremost contribution of Baptist to a world civilization resides in our contributions to freedom. My prayer for you, Pastor Flippin, for the members of this congregation, is that you will reclaim and even more fully live into what it means to be Baptist. The world at its worst, my friends, needs for Baptists to be at our best. May it be so of you this day. All right, so I've still got another 40 minutes left, so I'm going to go to the charge to Dallas. You're not laughing very strongly there. You've got to remember, churches I go to, an hour-long service that doesn't happen among the Burmese, doesn't happen among the African-American. So uh, last few Sundays I've been in a three-hour service and a four-hour service, so this feels pretty short to me so far. In a sense, I've already shared a, a charge. In a sense, I've given a charge to you about this Baptist family. But I want to add just a few additional quick comments. If you haven't noticed lately, Pastor, the, the, the times are a little weird that we're in. One only needs to turn the TV on to a cable news channel and watch for a few minutes to discover these are some really weird, difficult times. Now, I understand every time brings its own unique challenges, but perhaps this is one of the more difficult seasons, particularly for the North American Christian Church. Much is written about the church and emerging trends. Just this week, I I saw the following email articles. Ministry in Hard Times. Another one was The Coming Evangelical Collapse. I was invited to an online forum entitled, Congregational Leadership in Anxious Times. Pastor Flippin, you are being installed as Pastor First Baptist Jackson at a most challenging and interesting time. My preacher grandfather used to say, it doesn't matter whether these are the best of times or the worst of times. These are the times God has privileged us to serve. And the question is, what are we going to do with these times? Pastor Steinke, who has written about church leadership in difficult times, challenges leadership in Christ church to be calm and courageous no matter what. He further states, with anxiety intensifying and penetrating more areas of our lives, even in the church, Leaders today cannot be as anxious as the people they serve. To lead means to have some command over one's own anxiety and some capacity to not let other people's anxieties contaminate us, not to allow their anxiety to affect our thinking, actions, and decisions. Peter Steinke further states, The leader's functioning must not be based on others' functioning. Your ministry of leadership is grounded in the freeing gift of God's grace. In Christ, you are no longer a slave or in bondage to fear. Knowing yourself to be accepted as a child of God, you are free to love. As a responsible representative of God's love, you are free to take initiative, to test your thoughts, to honor your intuition, to see what requires doing, and dare to set forth to accomplish it. You can be faithful to your leadership task because you believe God is faithful to you. Make no mistake, Alice, that, that you can be faithful to your leadership tasks, because you believe God is faithful to you. No doubt about it, anxious times will test your wisdom, your patience, and your hope. But draw courage knowing that those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Challenging, anxious times require a calming presence. I would challenge you, Pastor, that if there's ever a need for calm and courageous and faithful leadership, it's now. And based on my lunch with you, I believe you're up to the task. I truly do. Dare I I even say that? I really believe you're not only up for the task, it's going to be really exciting to see how things emerge in this place and in your witnessing community in the coming weeks. Pastor Flippin, may God richly bless you as you serve in these times God has called you to serve. Amen.
2: I have a mic, you can, oh you need one? Okay, okay, good. Very good. I'm mindful that I'm here representing the Jackson Area Ministerial Association, charging you to be who you are and to do your work very well. I'm mindful of the words from the prophet Micah, to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And doing that here, being the light of God's love here, and also in cooperation with others who serve God together is part of that charge. So I'm honored to stand here as a historical Baptist and as a recent UCC pastor and as part of the ecumenical community to offer this charge. Dallas Flippin, having been ordained as a minister of Jesus Christ, And having accepted the invitation of First Baptist Church of Jackson, Michigan, to become its minister, do you solemnly pledge that you will serve this congregation to the best of your ability, according to the affirmation you have given in your ordination? I do. I charge you to be a good minister of Jesus Christ, remembering that, like our Lord, you have come not to be served, but to serve, and to keep yourself at all times in true devotion to your high calling. Will you seek to practice daily the faith you profess, administer the ordinances in purity, proclaim the truth with love, and endeavor to lead this people in the ways of Christ the Lord?
5: I will, God being my helper.
2: Members of First Baptist Church, are you persuaded as a church of Jesus Christ that you are ready to be instructed, led, and strengthened in the ways of the Spirit by the one who stands before you in the answer to the call of God? In recognition of the Christian partnership that must exist between minister and people, do you now affirm your loyalty to this church, to this ministerial relationship? Do you promise to give your utmost in devoted and loyal cooperation?
3: Amen. Amen. We come now to the prayer of installation. I'm going to do something a little different, maybe for you perhaps, but I've asked uh, Pastor if he would come and and stand here, and I'm going to invite those that have been part of the worship team this morning to gather around him and lay hands on him. I'm going to invite anyone of the congregation that would like to be part of laying on of hands to to, uh, make your way to the front as well. We'll take a moment or two for you to make your way over. Those that would like to remain where you are, just simply as a symbol of your laying on of hands, just reach your arm out and uh, as we lay hands on this choice servant of God on this day of installation. I love this symbolism of Beth holding the partner next to him. Uh, okay, and just, if you can't touch him, if you can just touch someone that's touching him or make kind of the chain effect, that'll work. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we rejoice that after many months of of prayer and searching, that you have brought this pastor and people together for such a time as this. We thank you for Reverend Dallas Flippin and for Beth and for Gwen and coming to, to share their lives with this congregation. We pray, O oh God, that as they come to work and serve among this historic people, that you would just bless their life together. May there be a a warmness that develops between pastor and people. I used the word marriage earlier. It really is a marriage of pastor and people. That, That in the building of relationships, the closeness that is forged among them, that they will be truly a light, a light in an increasingly dark world, a light that shows the way to Christ, a light that gives hope in the midst of anxious times. I pray, O God, as First Baptist Church Jackson installs Pastor Dallas Flippin, that they would understand they're not installing him to go do the work, but installing him that together they might do the work may together they seek to make a difference in such a time as this thank you again O oh god for bringing them together and we pray that through their partnership much will be accomplished for your kingdom in this community is my prayer in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.
0: Would the congregation like to join me in reading the Declaration of Installation, please? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and on behalf of the church, we declare you Dallas Flippin, to be dutifully installed as pastor of the church and congregation we shall uphold you in prayer and in the performance of your duties as a minister of the gospel of jesus christ in the name of our lord we welcome you as pastor of first baptist church the love of god and presence of christ to be with you and your family
6: amen (laughs)
5: I want everyone to know I am aware of the time. I know where I am in the placement of this uh, order of service. Uh, I just want to say a few words. Uh, I'm kind of reminded of being in a sermon class where uh, we had 12 sermons to preach in one session, and I was 12th on the list. Um, yes. But I, I want to extend a, a great thank you to everyone who helped make uh, this service possible. Um, also to the, the search committee again, and. Um, those people who spent so much time in prayer and in conversation and, and everyone who helped make uh, my wife and I and Gwen's transition here such a wonderful, smooth, um, we, you know, we're so grateful to God and to this community uh, for this transition time. Uh, I want to say, you know, next year will be the 180th anniversary of this church. And what's what's great about that is that God is not calling us to do a complete 180. Uh, God looks so favorably and with such warm regard for the great work and the history of this community. And so sometimes there might be slight changes in our our way of doing things, but they're small in comparison to the trajectory and the wonderful um, blessings that God has been doing through this community over these years. And so I just wanna encourage you that even though these are anxious times, these are exciting times. And my wife and I join you with excitement, uh, seeing what God has already been doing in you, but what God can continue to do in you. And And there's such wonderful gifts in this congregation. There's such loving presences, such uh, diverse thought. Uh, and so I know that Jackson needs us to be a Uh, welcoming, loving, serving community. And so, I am so excited to partner with you all in that endeavor. And I'm also excited to turn the kind of spotlight off of myself here. And uh, even though this is kind of an installation service and it feels like it's kind of a service about the pastor, it's a service about all of us. And so, uh, I'm excited to greet everybody for reception time. And I'm excited about the work that's ahead for us all. So, with that, I want to Call our next hymn forward.
2: Our next hymn is on page 595 in the hymnal Be Thou My Vision. If you can, please stand
6: and join us. <coughs>
5: Well, I want to say a word of benediction um, before I make my way to the back of the space. And so um, I look forward to our conversations and our fellowship later. Uh, But I wanted to tell you, I'm going to say a benediction of a pastor that meant a lot to me. So uh, our pastor back from Atlanta, uh, Pastor Julie, uh, meant a lot to Beth and I in our journey. And so hear this word of benediction in closing. May the God who seeks you find you when you fall. May the God who loves you take delight in your living. May the God who sends you send you out now with joy. For in your gladness and in your grieving, in your brokenness and in your healing, in your faithfulness and in your leaving, the God who made you and redeemed you is the God who keeps you still. Amen.
1: Just a reminder, don't forget to join us in the fellowship hall for a reception and make sure you write a little note of encouragement to the Flippin' family.